This is the one with an inspiration of genuses. Bobsledding. And what you would call a hinch. <laughs> it's called Mark of the Ronnie. Here we Here go. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Talent Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Why, hello, beautiful people out there in podcast land. Welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Or Doc Past, indeed, my friend. Yes, that was the interjection of Leon. Hello, Leon. Hello, Jim. Yes, it is I. Hello, Jim. Hello, Podcast Land. Yes, it is I, Jim. Hello, Leon, again. <laughs> Hello, Podcast Land, again. Wow, what are we talking about this week? It is none other than C140, Mark of the Rani. And what a doozy of a serial it is. You watched it today, right? Yeah, literally moments before we've recorded. So Nice. Should be fresh in my memory. Good. I'm um, going to be leaning on you. <laughs> <laughs> say about it <laughs> yeah i've not had much time to digest do you have a formed opinion yet are we going to be pushing each other in different directions do you think well i don't know had you heard of this one i had heard of the rani i didn't know yeah. about this in particular so I, I thought the rani would be this like, massively recurring baddie turns out we only get two tv stories with the rani but then there are a number of audiobooks possibly also books in print but for that reason because she's considered this legendary foe i had very high expectations of this serial and it saddens me to say i don't feel it quite reached those peaks that i expected yeah i didn't have maybe the same expectation you did but i definitely agree with the probably didn't reach the heights that it could have done well before we go and rip it apart or at least analyze it in detail I feel like we can we... rewrite this one. We can probably do that many times over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will try. But before all that, should we mm -hmm. perhaps give those patient and wonderful people out there in podcast land just some little bite-sized chunk of who? Yeah, let's. Time for us to synopsize, lurbify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? The sixth Doctor and flawlessly American companion Perry Brown miss their holiday mark once again, and instead of Kew Gardens, make their way on over to the mining town of Killingworth, where George Stevenson is apparently assembling a veritable inspiration of geniuses to discuss the betterment of mankind through automation. Seemingly coincidentally, though, an ever-increasing amount of Luddite marauders are wrecking havoc in Stevenson's tiny mining conurbation. Well, it might be a coinkydink, but they sure as popsicles ain't Luddites. They've simply <laughs> been kidnapped by another exiled Gallifreyan. No, not that one, though he's there as well who's siphoned bits of their brains to use as alien Valium. Don't be so hard on yourself, it's an easy enough mix-up. The time lady in question is the Rani, and she and the Master are about to murder civilians, plot world domination, and turn the locals into trees. Unless Doc has something to say about it. Peace cow over. You are welcome. <laughs> 
Why, of course they're welcome. Where do we start? Oh, dude, there are so many places we could sink our teeth <laughs> into with this cereal. Where do you want to start? What are we doing? Take us away, dude. I don't have any big kind of opening questions. My questions are more little peculiarities, probably. So okay, yo, if you've got a big starting question, I think we should probably go with one of those. I do have a lot of things that I want to hear your opinion about them. I want to pick your brains. And I want to imagine that some of these questions might lead to us retro rewriting bits. But why don't we just start with like the fundamental of we have a new time lady. We have a new baddie. Yeah, we How do. How do you feel about her? I I think I really liked her, actually. Yeah, I think same. the serial was a little bit wavering on making best use of her in a few places, but for the most part, it did a great job of establishing her as properly evil, clever, like genius as well. Like, and yeah. Doc is in awe of her all the time. That's, yeah. yeah, that's a good, good point. Stuff. In your opinion, do you think this would have been a better serial with either just the Rani or just the Master? I'm pretty convinced it would have been a better serial with just the Rani. Right. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Why the Rani and not the Master? Well, I think just, just for variety's sake. Yeah, exactly. And Fair enough, yeah. To bring in a new, new character. Like... This could have worked as a master plotline, I think. You know, trying to siphon a chemical. I don't know. Is it going to be serotonin? I don't know what the hell it is they I take d- out of I don't know. Brains. Um, they never name it, which I can't really Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's this weird milk that comes out of your head. <laughs> and it makes you really, really <laughs> sleepy. <laughs> yeah. The Sandman dust, yes, the sleepy, sleepy That's the juice. One. Yes. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. We clearly read the same textbook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I mean that, that could me, have been a master plotline, is what I was getting at. Absolutely. Um, but I think it's more satisfying that it's a different character who is then set up to be a scientist. Like, the master isn't a scientist. The master's just, like, the doctor. is an evil version of a doctor and knows yeah, lots of different things. That's a good point. Yeah. But isn't this just a slightly more science-based, a more scientific take on the master so for example the master hypnotizes people the rani uses drugs to manipulate people yeah put a pin in that as well oh really <laughs> oh no i mean yeah. we'll happily discuss it right away if you like no 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 we'll come back to that yeah okay I mean, so well you could obviously you could unpick stuff like that in most stories you can say well isn't this y version of b you know that is true yeah i guess i mean i'm super duper in favor of there being more gallifreyans more time lords and time ladies that are baddies because otherwise you only have like doc master and bureaucrats and that's kind of it and having more master like gallifreyans out there is great but i felt like they kind of they kind of diluted each other in this serial yeah there were definitely some nice bits yeah like their interplay the one thing i noted down as a real nice plus point to this serial was the untrusting nature of the master like being a plot device and you see it told in not too expositiony fashion but just a little scene of him not trusting the rani and them having a little bit of scuffles and stuff and then it coming up as well the doctor knows the master the doctor knows the master isn't trusting and uses it as a way to turn the master against the rani like yeah, to drive a wedge she's there. telling yeah she's she's lying and yeah and I thought that was really nicely done, actually. Probably one of the better written character-driven plot devices I've seen in a serial in a long time, I think. I had not considered that at all. I, that's a very fair point, potentially even worthy of bumping up my rating a little bit. In general, though, I felt like 
I'm a lesser fan of the master in this one than I am in serials where I have the master on his own. Like, if I'm sitting down, I'm watching a master serial. Part of the allure is that there's such an evil baddie, who is a genius, by the way, just like the Rani. Maybe not a scientist as such, but who is a manipulative genius, ingenious bastard. And here, there was almost an element of a slapstick. And I, yeah. maybe this is one that I need to rewatch, but I had a very different reading than you did. To me, their interplay was almost sort of dumbing them down, certainly dumbing him down. I think that's definitely true of the master. I mean, we can't really say about the Rani, I guess. This is the no, representation right. we have. That's true, yeah. But the master, yeah, I get what you're saying and I do agree with that. I think my answer earlier was more just, I would rather a new character than the master in a lot of situations, as much as I enjoy watching the master in serials. Yeah. It's interesting to have, a, like you say, it's interesting to have another Gallifreyan, another exiled Time Lord, all this kind of stuff. Absolutely. That's, that's a great thing to have. So I would choose the Rani as the one to keep sort of thing. But you're mm. right. I think the other reason is because in this serial, the master is, I don't even know if it's a diluted version of the master. I think it just didn't feel very master-like. There were yeah, th- instances where I think you're meant to always think he's in control and he's scheming behind the scenes. Like he might be saying one thing, but really he's meaning another sort of stuff. But I don't think it always came across that way. And I was having to kind of keep that at the back of my mind and think, no, the master's doing something else than what he's portraying here. And it didn't feel right. It felt like the master like couldn't do this plan without the Rani. He was having to rely on her. And then that immediately made him feel not like yeah, the master. The... Yeah, that's true. I mean, what is the master doing there in the first place? I don't know. Did we establish... Is he just there who out of sheer actually... Who pulled the TARDIS in? Was it the master or was it the Rani? Was it a master? Oh. That would make more sense. It's certainly a little unclear to me why they are there in the first place. I watched this maybe a few days ago, but as I recall, there is some kind of temporal anomaly that catches the TARDIS's attention and they go there in search of it. And later on, we do get a scene between the Master and the Rani where the Rani says something to the effect of, oh, of course you're after the Doctor. Same old Master. That's your shtick. I know what you're like. Yeah. And if that's the case, that would insinuate that it is the master who has planted this temporal anomaly or the master who is kind of trying to attract Doc and, and Perry. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's what I was thinking of as well. That puts it in the bracket of the master pulled them in. But then it's yeah. the Rani that has the ability to remote control a TARDIS. It's the oh, shit, Rani true, that yeah. they... that they So Doc, yeah, Doc builds this tracking device that measures, I don't know, time distortion or whatever it is, like, to, yeah. to find future tech and stuff like that, you know. And it's the Rani that they stumble into first. Like, I don't even know if the Master really has a presence here. It's just presumably his TARDIS is somewhere. Could it be that the Master's TARDIS has also to, been pulled in? I guess, maybe. I don't recall that being ever said. Holy smoke. Like, Podcast it, it, is fuming right now. I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite possibly. I mean... <laughs> My perception of this, and I just watched this as well. Like maybe I was, <laughs> I was eating my tea at no the same excuses. time, and they were maybe I missed some stuff. But my perception was that they were kind of surprised and not surprised that they were both there. I think the master realized that the Rani was there and then went to see her. It didn't seem like the master was relying on the Rani being there. And then when the master turns up, the Rani's like, "Well, I've seen the doctor around, so of course you're here." And yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But it felt coincidental. Well, Dan, I don't, don't know if it was. It felt coincidental. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm kind of constantly falling back on the notion that we didn't need two Time Lord baddies here. We needed one of them. And having either one of them be the second baddie, and in this case, clearly the master is the second baddie, is just superfluous to the story and kind of doesn't really make sense. Unless we also very blatantly weave in something like, oh, the same thing that drew in the TARDIS, as in Doc, drew in the master. Maybe the master also picked up some anomaly, assumed it must be the doctor, went there to try to kill him. Oh, well. We may never find out, Jim. (laughs) We may may never know. (laughs) (laughs) Running this through my head and quickly scanning through the transcript and stuff to get a few things settled in my mind is making me more and more actually dislike this serial for what the writing does to the master. Because yeah. what yeah. what he tries to do through most of this serial is use humans who have had their brains chemically unbalanced yep. to go and get the dock. And that's just pathetic. That, that's yeah, not, it, it, yes, you're right. Exactly. That's that is not how you go freaking... and get rid of a Time Lord. No, absolutely not. With everything else that the Master has done to date, isn't this a massive step down? Hmm, yeah, I tried lots not, of clever not... things and they weren't clever enough. Maybe I should just like try to get a brain-damaged Luddite to trip Doc <laughs> into a mine. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. what I need to do. Maybe I need to rely so... on coincidence and have Perry bobsled him down a hill. <laughs> I mean, this is Black Guardian level of twattery. This is the Black Guardian getting <laughs> Turlo and saying, smack Doc over the head with a rock. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And Turlo, however, is a super intelligent alien being, <laughs> as opposed to... True, a, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, like a, a sleep-deprived, brain-damaged, yeah. yeah, exactly, 19th century earthling who's prone to violence. <laughs> yeah, I'm not happy with the master in this serial. <laughs> Let's... Let's put it that way. Okay, I have a question which may or may not be a master question. Okay, okay. In the beginning, we get to see a scarecrow that's moving. Is that scarecrow the master? You know what? Yeah, I didn't ever think about that scene again. It just didn't make any sense. And you might well be right. That could be the master. Because otherwise, who is it? Is it a scarecrow robot that the Rani has put up as some sort of surveillance device? It doesn't appear later on, so it's not a scarecrow monster of sorts. If it's the master, then that is the dumbest disguise ever. Why is he dressed as a scarecrow, just like standing in a field? <laughs> Can't move anywhere without being, you know, <laughs> conspicuous. Okay, we're both stupid. I've looked through the transcript. It's the master. There's a scene the where master. the scarecrow throws the hat down and walks in and blah, blah, blah. It's the master. Oh, wait, what? I don't remember seeing a scene where the scarecrow throws down a hat. No, maybe it's a blink and you miss it. Scene change. Okay, ipso facto, redonkulous disguise. Utterly redonkulous. But I had totally forgotten about that. So maybe that moves things back into the box where the master pulled them in. Because actually yeah, they point. see this. Oh, fuck knows. No, like imagine the master's line of thinking here. Like, mm, okay, so either I have or I have not pulled in the Doctor's TARDIS. No problem. They're probably going to land over there. That means they're probably going to walk past here. Okay, I'm just going to... Wait, where did I put my scarecrow outfit? Okay, like put on the hand, stuff some <laughs> hay into my jacket. Oh, this is going to be great. Now st- stand with arms stretched out, perfectly still until they possibly do or do not pass me. <laughs> At which point I can just watch them pass, but do nothing else. That's all All that accomplishes. Utter, yeah. utter nonsense. No, that's a very... I mean, that's an easy retro rewrite. Don't have the master yeah. dressed up as a scarecrow. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Nothing of value was lost. <laughs> okay, can um, I ask you another question? 
Sure. Sorry, I keep I keep interrupting you. Go for it. You do one. Well, I was going to pick up the pin that I put down, but if you have a related Ooh, thing yes. to this, we can carry on. No, 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 no. Pick up the pin. So we pinned the fact that the Rani uses science to control people, whereas the master yep. uses hypnotism. Indeed. But <laughs> this is my big, okay. big question. Uh-huh. I mean, I have a lot of questions over what the fuck happens to pretty boy Luke. But oh yeah, no, the master... he's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but also the events leading up to him becoming a tree. But anyway, the master yeah, hypnotizes yeah, yeah. him. Yeah. Yes. To then and put the maggot thing in his mouth. That's use right. The Rani's. Yum. Yeah. Yep. And my big question would be, well, why? I mean, we know the master can hypnotize people and control yep. them. Like that's, that's his right. shtick. Why does Belt he have to use the Rani's thing as well? <laughs> that that is. An eminently laudable question. (laughs) I do not have a concrete answer for you because I don't think that this was properly thought through. But it does strike me as yet another argument for the Master and the Rani effectively being one and the same character that's been split in two. Yeah. As you say, those two implementations accomplish the exact same thing. You hypnotize them, he can have complete control over someone. You give them a maggot, you have complete control over them. (laughs) But it seems to me like the hypnosis aspect of it is actually better in this case because it is tagged by the master. So the master says, hey, you will obey me. Whereas the other one is just like, hey, you've eaten a maggot. Do as people tell you. (laughs) And I don't understand why you would do both. But it is implied by the master that the maggot is more effective. It is perhaps more potent. Otherwise, he wouldn't hold on to it. Right. It's just, yeah, again, it just makes the master seem terrible. Like, the master was quite confidently hypnotizing people and making people do his bidding in umpteen zeros before. And now it's suddenly, oh, no, no, I'm the light version. Here's the powerful maggot that's really better than me. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Okay, can we discuss a potential retro rewrite slash retro what the heck did they write situation here? (laughs) Okay. Stevenson has brought a whole bunch of geniuses, an inspiration of geniuses, to the little town of, what's it called? Killing, Killingworth? Killington? And... It's, it's worth of killing, yeah. Killingworth. Okay, so this is a multi-question segment. <laughs> Question one. Is the Rani there? Of all places, has she chosen this location because she knows that lots of geniuses will be there, i.e. their brains are better equipped than most human brains, and consequently when she siphons off that chemical, she will get more or perhaps more potent liquid out of their heads than anyone else's? That's question one. Or is that Uh, just a coincidence? Question one, it is not a coincidence in some respects, but I do remember this being explicitly addressed And she's been popping up basically for centuries going to places where there are revolutions, wars, basically where you take out whatever chemical it is they're taking out and people become a bit aggressive and it doesn't matter too much because people are being aggressive. Yeah, because they just blend in. Yeah, the Luddite revolution, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. Of this era is a mask for her turning people into aggressive thugs. And okay. I, I take it to be that the genius meeting in a couple of days is a bit of a coincidence, but it's just obviously in the same time frame. Okay, so that strikes me as like just a massive missed opportunity. 
You have people who are famed for their brains. Her whole shtick is she does something with people's brains. Maybe those two things could meet, shake hands and go, hey, we got a story here. You know I mean, what I mean? Uh, Doesn't that yeah. make sense? I feel like she should be taking advantage of that. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what they do with the character of the Rani in the other serial that she appears in. But obviously, yeah, if you took out the master from this one, you could rewrite her character to be a bit different. Because... I kind of like actually what they do with her character where she's more satisfied with her, let's call it, small business operation of evil geniusness versus taking over the universe scheming that the master is always trying to employ. So she's got a planet that, is true. that Sorry? she controls. She has, yeah, she has exactly. a planet already. Yes, exactly. I was going to say, planet. I mean, like, it's not a small business. She is like an empress. Well, I mean, in the schemes of the universe, you know, it's it's... Okay, yes, that's true. A little little bit small, but yeah. But I like that. I like that she's got her planet and she's just off on an excursion to get something that will help her rule over this planet better, basically. Not interested in (laughs) taking over the Earth. Just no, my my people are getting a little bit angsty. I uh, yeah, I need to yeah put them to sleep a bit. <laughs> yeah, it, she's almost like the master, but several steps ahead of him. Like she is the future master in many ways. For example, in the sense that the master really wants to rule over Earth or rule over the world or whatever the, the universe, the galaxy, wh- whichever terrianationism you want to choose. But she's the like, yeah, you think that's easy? <laughs> like, let me tell you, buddy. <laughs> Once you are ruling over the galaxy, you're going to be running all over the place looking to siphon people's brains because otherwise your subjects are going to get all antsy and never sleep. <laughs> oh, it's that it's tricky been... being an empress. Oh, yeah. Why wasn't that seen? In... <laughs> yeah. Like, A, I would accept this being in there, the, the master being put in his place where she's just like totally, dude, I fucking nailed this. You've been faffing <laughs> around with this. For God knows how many regenerations got nothing to your name. I'm fucking empress of a planet. Shut yeah, up, dude. Exactly. Just bow to me. <laughs> Listen to everything I say. But yeah. also, why are you chasing this dream? It's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been amazing. <laughs> Maybe you should just like be happy where you are. You've got a scarecrow outfit. Like, just kill that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. I really hope that we get to see her planets in Time of the Rani is the second part. I really hope that we get to see that. I mean, if we don't, yeah, I'm going to push some toys out of the pram because <laughs> the, yeah. the whole setup is is ingenious. Like, it has to be. Like, this is it's her backstory. Fantastic. This is her raison d'etre. She's in control of this planet. Like, she can't just be always off. Like, she can't be that kind of person who's just, like, mothering a planet almost. And it's just like always out gathering stuff that just seems a bit (laughs) all i have to do is like siphon a couple of brains and then i can finally relax and then she siphons a few brains goes back to her planet lets her subject sleep like oh finally some peace basically yeah it's mothering is exactly the right word like she's basically just a really tired single mom at the end of the day my planet's worth of subjects are finally having a nap and then someone <laughs> wakes up in the other corner and she's just like, fuck, and now I, got to, now I have to go somewhere else where there's a revolution so I can drill into someone's cranium. Dag nabbit. So difficult. <laughs> Who gave little Johnny a fucking bazooka? Jesus, go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. Point one on my 10 point action plan is murder the inventor of the alarm clock because I need people to just snooze, okay? <laughs> Ugh. 
Okay, uh, okay. follow-up question to the whole, like, we've got okay. lots of people who are clever, they're assembled in one place, yada, yada, yada. The master also doesn't want to take advantage of the fact that we've got all these very clever brains. He doesn't want to go like, oh, well, maybe we can, if we're not going to siphon chemicals out of their heads, at least we can take their brains and connect them to my supercomputer and the TARDIS or whatever. Like, there's nothing like that. But he does say what we can do is we can, I think, possibly eliminate them, and thus we can change the course of history for this planet, because everyone who's at this point in time, going to have a scientific or financial, political, sociopolitical effect on this planet is assembled in Killingworth. So they are yeah. worth killing. I don't, I, it's my not question killing. To you is, he, wants to, he wants to control them. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, my question and... to you was going to be, have we not had another serial at some point in Classic Who where they assembled clever, or maybe this is new even, where they assembled clever people in one place and someone, maybe the master, maybe someone else just went, okay, I can manipulate them or I can kill them, whatever it is, but I'm going to put it's, everyone in one yeah. place and boom. Well, the one that I'm thinking of, maybe not the one you're thinking of, but what I'm thinking of is Zygons and Nessie. Nessie, yes, you're <laughs> yeah. absolutely right. That is probably what I'm thinking of. Uh, nice, yes. Is there another one in New Who? I'm not sure. But yeah, that was definitely a lot of important people in one space. Let's yes. let's take the Loch Ness Monster and go and eat them. <laughs> Isn't it weird that that makes more sense than this serial? <laughs> yes, that is weird. <laughs> oh, man. Classics. Keep you I on your toes. The, I love the classics. And we had another little dinosaur cameo in this one as well, which we can... I we know! Can I'm so happy about the dinosaur. I honestly have no idea what to think about that. <laughs> I mean, Although, when we first saw dinosaurs my yeah. first reaction was just wait did she run out of formaldehyde like why are they all just half submerged in it <laughs> okay maybe it's a tangent we can st we can stay with dinosaurs if you want no, go but for it let should we talk about the rani's tardis because that's oh, gorgeous please, yes that is the exact word i've used in my notes <laughs> it is flipping stunsville yes oh please yeah take it away hang on wait i'm gonna take off my shirt well, while, I... <laughs> while we talk about this <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have much else to say, but like, it just took me by surprise. Correct me if I'm wrong, in Classic Who, have we seen like a very different TARDIS before? Has it always been quite We've a seen... plain white room with the console? Oh, that's a very good question. We've seen the Master's TARDIS, and we have seen the the Monk's TARDIS. I'm thinking of any other ones. I think those might be the only two. Podcast Line can probably correct me if I'm wrong. The monk's TARDIS looked, as I recall, identical to the Doctor's TARDIS. Like, to the classic Doctor's, you know, everything is white. You've got the roundels, the very yeah. Scandi design TARDIS. And the Master's TARDIS, as I recall, is just the inversion of it. Like, it's just black. But I might be mistaken about that. Quite recently, we got to see the Master's TARDIS, didn't we? Where inside the Master's TARDIS, there was a box, and inside the box was a teeny tiny Master. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that TARDIS... I feel like that TARDIS was black. Yes, I, I've done a quick image search, and I think you're right. Definitely when, when we've seen it, it's, yeah, it's got roundels, it's got a console, which is a hexagon. But it's just like a photo negative well. of the Doctor's TARDIS, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't even know, maybe it's the same console, in fact, just put into a dark set. I I'm would not, not sure. be surprised, because it probably costs a bunch to make a new prop like that. But in this one... Yeah. It, it's the same prop, I think, but then in addition to the thing that goes up and down in, in the middle of the console, the Ronnie had that beautiful spinning, not disc, what, what were they? It, it, no, they're not discs, they're like two circles spinning circles, magnetically yeah. on each other. Yeah, yeah. 
absolutely think stunning. It made me think of one of the Superman films. You know, when the like General Zod. Oh yeah, nice. Comes in. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. they get put into the little flat mirror thing and sent off into space, I'm sure. Aren't, aren't they like surrounded in a little prison cell kind of thing? Like a. a, a and you a have stood. those like the hula hoops, yeah. basically, that are just like connected to yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah. I think you're but absolutely I got that right. Kind of vibe. The, I think this might be an era of sci-fi where sci-fi film and TV props contain one of two things. That hula hoop thing or one of those Thunderball, you know, the you know the Thunderball thingies? I don't know what they're called. I used to have one when I was a kid. Oh. You know the little glass balls, you hold yeah. your hands on them and the electricity goes towards your hands? Yeah, the little lightning ball things. Oh, I forgot what they're called, but yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like every single sci-fi film and horror film had one or both of those two props. Yeah. Either way, I had never (laughs) even conceived of it being in the middle of the TARDIS console. And it is beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and I think you're right about the level of the formaldehyde in the jars, but the fact that there were these little little pedestals with jars on them, you know, put around. So specimens, if, yeah. Yeah, felt like it was almost like a sacrificial chamber. Like it felt more... Oh, interesting. Kind of stone-like. The interior felt more stone, like it was this grey colour with lots of markings and stuff. I think actually... I'm looking at an image now. It does have a lot of circles on it, but they don't they don't really look like roundels, but there's circle motifs going on. I'm just opening an image now as well. Oh wow. Just, yeah, you're right. My god, that's so looks beautiful. It's so different to what we've seen of Tardis's up to this point yeah. and I, I just didn't expect it and i was just wowed basically <laughs> yeah same no it's groundbreaking I, I mean <laughs> i mean it really is you're right it's so similar yet such a departure from the tardis that we have seen or the tardises that we have seen to date the tardis console in i mean her tardis console also has almost like dalek like bumps dalek around balls. it yeah right Ooh, interesting which is something that just that in the aesthetics of this show we are associating with evil with bad so that's pretty mm. cool. Also, obviously, I mean, it's black, it's black and red. It's a very evil kind of lair to it. Yeah, I think that was it as well. Yeah, interesting lighting, this red light going and illuminating the pillars and stuff. Yeah, exactly. No, it's beautiful. I love that take of it, that it's almost like a sacrificial altar or something. To me, what I got was almost Capaldi vibes. And the reason for that is that, mm. yeah, we don't get bookcases or anything. But Capaldi is, he is scholarly. He works at a university. He is an intellectual. He indulges in, in his mind. He wants to further his intellect. And so he reads books and consequently his TARDIS is surrounded by bookcases. Whereas the Rani, she is exactly like that. But her interests are towards chemistry and biology. And consequently, rather than bookcases, she's got all these little specimen jars all over the place. Yeah, that's an interesting cross. I think actually there was something about the setup as well, just the physical structure. I mean, I know most of these yeah. TARDISes in, in New Who, like I don't think there's a lot around the edges in Classic, but in, in New Who, there's always something going on around the edges, I think. And that's true. so it feels it feels more circular than obviously the square box that you walk into compared to classic TARDISes, I feel probably still feel like the yeah, square box. Right. Whereas this, this, I think because of the placement of the pedestals, the fact that the console is on a circular platform and it's circular itself, like it, everything feels round, which maybe, you know, I had that feeling as well. The color scheme probably makes you think more of Capaldi's TARDIS than any of the others perhaps but yeah i did actually have that same thought but for just an aesthetic reason not the logic that yeah, you put yeah. behind it which is also really good 
I see what you're saying. I'm looking at a few images of now. I hadn't even noticed that circular pedestal. That's, oh, that's, oh. This is a masterpiece of tortoises. It really is. Like for this one serial as well, and it's it's in maybe like four scenes. I don't know. It's, you know, it's not a yeah. huge amount of screen time. I assume it will return when the Rani returns. Presumably, yeah. It would be a shame not to. So that sure. other serial, Time of the Rani, also written by the same writers. This is written by Pip and Jane Baker, yeah. who also wrote Terror of the Vervoids. I'm not 100% sure, but I think the Vervoids is the vaginal plant alien serial. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe don't quote me on that one. I think it might be that one. Okay. <laughs> Do you know the one I'm thinking of? Hang on. Okay, here's what I'm going to give Google as part of my search history. Doctor Who Vagina Plant Alien. There we go. I'm just going <laughs> to Google that. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Found it. Are you, are you looking at the image? It looks like the head of a penis peeking out of a vagina. Yes, yes. That's exactly it. <laughs> I <was> like, yeah. <laughs> Someone had a field day in the prop department for that one. So yeah. they also wrote Terror of the Vervoids, then they wrote one part of The Ultimate Foe, which I'm not entirely sure what that is. Is that part of Trial of a Time Lord? These are both parts of Trial of a Time Lord. Oh, really? Okay, great. Yeah. And then Time of time and the Rani, and that's it. Yeah. Apologies, by the way, I think I said Time of the Rani before. It's Time and the Rani, Pens Down podcast. But it's, it's nice. They're a little husband and wife writing duo. That's fantastic. Yeah, like, exactly. To the point where Wikipedia actually, the page is for Pip and Jane Baker. It's mm. not for Pip Baker and Jane Baker. <laughs> oh, that has just warmed my heart. That is lovely. <laughs> Since we're talking about botanical digs, do you want to talk about Luke turning into a tree? <laughs> Best segue ever. Okay, I... Uh, thank you. I just have... <laughs> 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 what the fuck happens with the hypnotism, the mind control, whatever, with Luke? Because I have double checked this in the transcript, but what I what I okay. saw said, or rather heard said, <laughs> what I watched play out in the serial is the master very clearly saying this meeting, you know, the meeting of the geniuses has yeah. to happen. Don't let anyone stop this from happening. Destroy them if you have to sort of thing. And then the next thing we see is Luke conversing with people quite happily, unlike the dumb servants, slaves, whatever the Rani has in her control. He's yeah, he's off scheming. Like he's interpreted this as a mind-controlled person to double check basically everyone's okay with the meeting going ahead and if not maybe bash them around the head with a crowbar or maybe tell them some lie about going into the forest. Yeah, there's a lot of actually. Like, yeah. There's a, there's a sub plan which we never see him told that really the master wants them all to go to the forest. Yeah, exactly. Go to the forest where we've put down these mines. Yeah. I mean what the, no, like someone turned over about six pages at once and we just missed a bit where the master went wait a minute don't bother having the meeting let's just lure them to the forest where we can turn them into trees that's exactly right yeah spot on i love that yeah yeah these pages are stuck together i don't know what's happening oh clumsy i'm all thumbs today He does show a lot of initiative, actually, when he is, you're so right, when he is under the influence of this weird maggots and the hypnosis, all of those mind control techniques, he shows initiative that no one else does. Everyone else is just a drone, but he is allowed to take initiative and to use creativity to resolve situations for the benefit of the master. Yeah, I just didn't get it. So he has a whole life. 
I mean, does he have a wife and child? I wasn't sure about that. He has a father who is one of the Luddites, not Luddites, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we see his mother as well. Like they're together talking about how the father's missing or, or everyone's gone about, oh yeah, John's gone a bit loony. Isn't some, he? Um, don't we get to see a woman who's saying, oh, if you see Luke, I haven't seen Luke in ages. I mean, he's somewhere. He disappeared a couple of days ago, but I'm sure he's fine, but I haven't heard from him. And then when we get to meet Luke as he's zombified, not by the master, he's zombified by the Rani. <gasps> Wait a minute. Isn't Luke just another drone of the Rani's at first? And it's not until the master kind of steals him for himself that he gains that added sentence, I, that added initiative. I think you might be confusing two people. I think there's a guy called Josh, who you know what you're totally of, right. Yeah, I'm so it, sorry. You're totally right. And Josh has a family. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Josh is being asked about, and then it's like scene change, and you see Rani go, Josh, go kill yeah, the doctor if he do doesn't move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, all oh, right, that's Josh. Okay, <laughs> was, that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, I, that, that was I'm... a really bad segue, unlike your one. <laughs> I'm on board regardless. I'm now wondering who's Luke. <laughs> My recollection of Josh is just that he looked like he was cast in a community theater adaptation of Magic Mike. Like he's wearing a top that's kind of undone. He's like the hunk of the show. And then possibly Luke is just the young person of the show, and I just kind of conflated them. Yeah, I think Luke was the Luke blonde guy of the show, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay, so Luke was never a slave of the Rani's. Luke is just a dude who's hypnotized so. by yeah. the master and then fed yes. a maggot. Okay, because gotcha. The I'm Rani so sorry, I'm watches... totally them. No, I mean, I don't think this is the clearest serial by a long <laughs> way. Like, there's weird jumping around, weird talking about characters we don't know anything about and haven't, you know, connected anything with the name yet. And then we get told, yeah. oh, this is that person. Yeah, there are definitely weird things. If I hadn't just watched this, I would be exactly the same boat <laughs> um and well, i, I might still be getting this totally wrong i might <laughs> might have loads of people screaming in the street as they're walking around with their headphones scaring random passersby is like no you dumb fuck jim <laughs> leon's right <laughs> i assume that's what people do listening to the podcast you know? potentially wait hang on they're saying that i'm right no rarely rarely <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Luke, he appears a little bit earlier on, just as like, he's some guy talking around with the landowner guy, who I think might be called yeah. Ravensworth. Yes. Like he's, he becomes part of the established, not crew, I don't know. He is a named character, he has lines, then he disappears for a bit, and then he pops up again. And I think maybe he just, he maybe just pops up again exactly when the master takes him over, I'm not quite sure. But what I do recall is you see the Rani watching the master using her maggots on Luke and she has pissed off as fuck. Yeah, well, as she should be, because that's her shtick and he's using it for his own benefit. That's yeah. that's really that's mean. <laughs> okay, so dot dot dot, Luke turns into a tree. How do we feel about that? Well, I must admit... And I'm not proud of this, but my original thought straight after him being turned into a tree, well, not straight after, but the next thing that we see of Luke the tree is I'm pretty sure he grabs Perry's boob. I mean, this... Oh, does he? I didn't notice. Is this like a Harrison Ford as Han Solo accidentally reaching around Leia and I mean, grabbing her? Yeah, it's a guy in a tree costume. <laughs> a massive and... rubber tree costume. Yeah, I did not notice that. That's hilarious. It's slash horrendous. 
I was way too preoccupied by the fact that this tree is capable of hugging someone. (laughs) And then after that, returns to the position of, no, those are just branches. They don't bend because he's not going to walk home to his dad as a tree in a bit. And just like, yeah, I'm a tree now. Like He's now stuck in the middle of this forest forever. And the fact that he's able to grab her so that she's kept safe and doesn't step on one of these mines or whatever, suggests that he is a sentient tree. And if he's going to live as long as trees do, he's not only sentient, by the way, he's aware of his surroundings. He can hear people. He can see people. He knows when someone is nearby. This is the worst fate anyone in Doctor Who has suffered to date. I don't know. I take you this and raise you whatever happened to, was it Barusa when he got put into the tomb of oh, whoever yeah, it was, yeah. Rassilon. Rassilon's tomb? <laughs> and it's just, yes, exactly. Yeah, a sentient stone carving of your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was pretty horrendous as well. He's basically like, a, a absorber loft. Yeah, like at least maybe Luke can carry on moving a little bit. He can enjoy the wind rushing through his leaves. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I feel no, so this, bad for this guy. This is interesting because I, I didn't really think much more about it. I kind of felt like maybe it was, you know, the brief after effect of being turned into a tree. He still knew he was a human, still tried to move and stuff. And eventually he would just be a tree and his consciousness would go away. But there's an interesting I mean, thought that Zabrani intentionally did this almost. Like, she's that evil. And it's like, yeah, now he's stuck as a tree forever. <laughs> I mean, it ends up with lots of people being turned into trees. Doc is almost turned into a tree. Yes. How do you feel about Could that? Have that, that scene, that had... scene <laughs> Okay, when he's hammocked between two trees. Like, oh, fuck, <laughs> yeah. I might turn into a tree. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous, but I kind of liked that he ends up wedged between the two trees. There didn't need to be a mine directly underneath him as he slips down. That was just pathetic. <laughs> yeah, that's redonkulous. Also, that's not how you should lay down a minefield. That's just sloppy work on the part of the Rani. Surely you <laughs> yeah. leave a little bit of distance, not like cluster three of them right next to each other. She only had four or five. Yeah, no, that was weird. I mean, the fact that the two people carrying the dock as well managed to step on two different mines at the exact same time when uh, there was like absolutely. a group of them really huddled around as well. People People in front yep. of them. <laughs> it's just like, nope. Okay, just those two guys. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy, redonkulous. However, the fact that we get tree mines, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's terrible and I hate it, but I might also love it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it kind of great? <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Like, it is terrible, but it's also great. I mean, just the fact that it, it had an explosion as well. Because as, I was originally like, <laughs> yes! fuck, they just blew up Luke. Wow, that I can't exactly believe they just did that. Well. <laughs> and then it's like, oh no, he's a tree. Okay, that's weird. Oh my god, <laughs> we had the exact same emotional journey there. <laughs> yeah, which I assume most people watching this would have done, because it's a very clear explosion effect. It's very nicely done. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And Actually, like, I think, there's a lot of gorgeous stuff in this episode. Yeah, and I think even to the level of detail, which uh, it might have just been coincidence how the smoke dissipated, but I genuinely remember a moment of me just kind of going, wait, there's something still there. And oh, you could see the oh, branch nice. like visible slowly as the smoke was dissipating, and it was kind of like, yeah, it worked really, really well. Oh, very nice. Now, I take it back then. You were way more observant than I was. I did not notice that tree. I don't want to be racist or anything, but all trees look the same to me. <laughs> 
Can I suggest a tangent? Or Always. would you like to I discuss mean, I, trees actually, no, and uh, to be honest, Luke and it's, Josh? It's weird that you're suggesting it a tangent. Like, normally we just end up on them. So That is true. I mean, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Who back when? Famous for being really structured and organized. Yeah, okay. You're going to want to talk about Predator for about half an hour, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> No, but interestingly, I did watch Prey just the other day, and now I'm tempted to watch all of the Predator films, just to be completely. Did you enjoy it, or or not? I mean, you know what? It was good for what it was. I enjoyed it as a Predator prequel slash soft reboot, but it's also a Predator film, so, you know, the spectrum of quality only reaches so far, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I've never seen a Predator film, mostly because I know what the spectrum of quality is for a Predator film, (laughs) and I never felt like I needed to watch them. (laughs) Fair enough. I can recommend you watch the first one and then stop. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, I tell a lie. I think I have seen Aliens vs. Predator or something. One oh, of the those are terrible, dude. Ones, which why are did terrible. you. Can you unwatch them and watch Predator instead? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how time and perception work, but I can try. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> also, this wasn't the Pens down you podcast land. I'm talking about The Predator, not Predator, the other reboot attempt that failed. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I successfully got us accidentally onto a tangent. So do you want to get us back onto a different tangent? (laughs) Fantastic. Yes, I'll take you up on that offer. Question for you. Why does Doc activate the volcano trap? Yeah, I was a bit confused. I settled this in my mind as... I mean, we've barely talked about Doc, which is ridiculous. I think Doc is incredible in this serial. This is, for me, like the best we've seen of the sixth Doctor, where you get the feeling of the Doc always being one step ahead of people and has already worked things out and second-guessing things to the right level and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, this I put in the same box as just he knew that the Rani's TARDIS was there somewhere, but it would be booby-trapped. And he saw the screen in front of the cupboard or whatever and just assumed it was a booby trap. And But it doesn't quite play out well enough because they almost get gassed to death, you know? <laughs> yeah, they almost die. Yeah. It's also just a screen. Why not just try to close the screen? <laughs> like, why not have a rope that tries to close it or try to just sneak around it or something like that? I mean, presumably that would set it off as well. I don't know. Potentially. I don't know if this was... I, I, I'm reading this in a very forgiving light that I think this is the doc doing his best to, you know, check for a booby trap without harming anyone and nearly killing both of them. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although he's aware that there are gas masks on the dead slaves. Yeah, wait, why are there gas masks on the dead slaves? Don't know. I don't remember seeing them. Do they, like, regularly... I mean, they do gas the joints when new people are being kidnapped. Oh, of course, yes. They have whatever the other gas is that just sedates people in preparation for their brain surgery. No, yeah, okay, no, it's already explained in the serial then. Done. Easy. Fair. Fair. Right. Yeah. Adding another so, point three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe he didn't know what it was going to trigger. Maybe he did suspect it would be a gas because we've seen the Rani already use a gas as a mechanism. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if that was the case, maybe he should have grabbed the mask first. It seemed a little yeah, bit wait, kind of scrambling after a the Great fact. idea. Yeah. <laughs> well done. That's exactly what he should have done. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. <laughs> I think I enjoy watching the Doctor in any serial, any Doctor in classic or new Who, where 
they are that, you know, a little bit arrogant, but, you know, rightfully so, because they've worked out what's going on. They're rolling with it. They're not letting you in as well. And that to me is like one of the number one traits of the doctor is like clever enough to understand stuff and unpack it, but also being a little bit annoying and not taking the time to explain it to everyone. (laughs) Us, the audience included. (laughs) Yeah. So it kind of goes along with that a little bit of like, you don't expect the doctor to turn to Perry and go, I'm going to trigger this trap now. But before we do that, let's get these masks and let's bivouac down in the corners. Yeah, I've done a get, minor get risk a assessment. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there are a few measures we could take to mitigate that risk. So hang on, go there, do this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, there's also another possibility here, by the way. He tells Perry, go and fetch those gas masks. They put them on. Great. He triggers the volcano and the volcano spews out magma onto both of them. <laughs> Just like straight up bukkakes them in lava. And that's it. End of show. Why does he do this? The other opportunity he might have had is like, maybe fetch one of the other, you know, brained drones. You know, grab one of the dudes who are like, they're already Dunsville. Just tell one of them, all right, buddy, go over there and like, just finger this volcano and see what happens. And then that's it. (laughs) It's already too late for them anyway. Worst case scenario, you know, they... Is it too late for anyone? I feel like that would have been a low move of a doctor. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sorry, you are absolutely right. And that's way too (laughs) evil and pragmatic and horrible. And I apologize for even suggesting it. And also I realized that I'm wrong because they are not there just drones. You know, the way that I see them is almost as Cybermen, you know, they're effectively already dead. All of their humanity and their individualism has already been subtracted from them. They are just, you know, bipedal bags of muscles that are available for the Rani to just carry shit. That's all they're there for. But they are not there because she has murdered them. And I don't know why. That's another one of my questions for you. Why does she murder her crew? <laughs> well, the line that the master says is something like, we can't wander around with them or something. You know, we can't wander outside with those. And the response from the Rani is immediately kill them. And I kind of loved it. It's just like tying up loose ends. Yeah, not leaving any chance for them to come round and spill whatever plans hadn't already been spilled by that point. I don't know. But I thought it was quite cool. <laughs> okay, yeah, fine. I take it back. In a evil <laughs> Wait, villain. No, I don't take it way. back. That's a terrible thing to do. No, keep them on hand. It's fine. In fact, bring them into the TARDIS with you because you don't know where you're going next. Maybe you'll end up somewhere where someone needs to like lift heavy rocks or something. Get them to do it. They're like flesh forklifts. That's all they are at this point. I mean, yes, it would make sense where she had said, go in my TARDIS, but then the rest of it wouldn't have played out the same way because you couldn't have known that her TARDIS was hiding behind the screen as a cupboard and Doc wouldn't just, you know, uncover it later and you wouldn't get the master going, where the fuck's your TARDIS, lady? Why isn't it here? And yeah, I don't know. Okay, yeah. yeah. Sure. (laughs) As we're on the TARDIS, I weirdly didn't talk about this earlier. What is she trying to do with these T-Rexes? Because she says to the Master, my TARDIS is doing something more important. And I don't know if the important thing her TARDIS is doing is incubating T-Rexes. 
and I, I never understood why. I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember at all. I've just gone into the transcript and I've looked for Rex and I see the doctor has a line about, well, oh, she must have popped back to the Cretaceous age and picked up a few, you know, in square brackets, embryos of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. But you say she says it's doing something more important. Here we go. My TARDIS is performing a more important function. Oh, yeah. The master responds, is it too much to inquire what that function might be? And she just says, yes. Yeah. But then the next thing is the doctor trying to get into the TARDIS, or it does get into the TARDIS, and then kicks Perry out because the TARDIS starts moving because the Rani has immediately, following this conversation with the master, remotely controlled her TARDIS to come to them. It's like, That's what? Not, yeah. the, like the last conversation they just had was, <laughs> we can't move my TARDIS, it's doing important shit. Yeah. That's right. No time has passed because we've cut to a different scene with the Doctor and then immediately she presses the button and her TARDIS gets transported. I, no, yeah. no. <laughs> you're so right. I had totally missed this. It's only now that you're mentioning it that I realize that you're totally right. And it is, in fact, the line ahead of the one that I just quoted from the transcript. You're totally right. That's a WTF moment. What? <laughs> yeah, there, there are many parts of this serial that just feel like scene missing <laughs> that would have explained yeah. something <laughs> like the things with luke yeah the, definitely the, this weird thing with the rani's tardis and i'm sure there are others i think it's better than some classic serials where the plot seems mostly cohesive we're not really kind of wondering why stuff was happening i think they did mostly stick to the plan with that apart from a few wondering things sure. but yeah it still feels a little bit of script rewriting or editing process didn't cleanly make everything come out alive sort of thing <laughs> yeah exactly yeah they've decided to trim it maybe pip and two pip and jane <laughs> sorry it's been autocorrected on my computer as pop and jane pip and jane baker <laughs> maybe wrote a really really ambitious much much longer script it gets trimmed down. A few things end up not making sense because they've trimmed around the bits that they should have trimmed as well. Yeah. I mean, one thing that kind of strikes me as you brought this up, you're not delving into it, is the whole inspiration of geniuses. We get a few people name checked. Stevenson is there. He's brought a whole bunch of people who are influential in the world of science. We don't get to meet a single one of them. We know that they're there, but we don't get to meet a single one of them. Isn't that a bit weird? Isn't that odd? Yeah. I mean, I guess this is probably part of the massive retro rewrite where you take the master out of this serial and that entire yeah. plot line can just go. Like, we don't need to have Stevenson there. Like, he, he's barely in it. There's the one nice scene where we cut to him and Doc underneath some kind of steam engine just uh -huh. shooting the breeze and Perry comes in and is like, <laughs> I think there are more important things to do right now. It's like, oops, yeah, I suppose so. See you later, Stevenson. Yeah, that's the way to handle it. If you're going to have just an in-passing meeting with Stevenson, that is exactly the way to handle it. Here, it is insinuated that Stevenson is going to kind of play the role that, what's his name, Ravenscroft? Whatever. The local guy, what's his name? Raven something? Yeah, Ravensworth. I think he's... Ravensworth. The guy who owns, like, owns the mine land. Or yeah. yeah. Whoever that dude is, or like maybe... He maybe he's the mayor, whatever he is, he's fulfilling the function that I would almost expect to see Stevenson in. Like, we should have Stevenson constantly interacting with the Doctor. Because who the fuck is Ravensworth? I don't know who yeah. Ravensworth is. I kind of didn't know who Stevenson was either, to be honest. But... You know, we have a historical figure, maybe make use of that historical figure and have that person be the main point of contact in this time zone. Yeah, you could have trimmed people from this, that's for sure. 
Interestingly, I have just spotted on Wikipedia, Lord Ravensworth is a real person. So Ravensworth and Stevenson, like that relationship is the historical element of this serial. Oh, that is it. I don't know what else. I stand, is true I stand or not, corrected. Yeah. No, no, no. I've been schooled yet again. I stand corrected. I'm perfectly happy with that. I apologize. But I don't feel that came across. Like, they barely interact. The interactions with Doc is always Doc with Ravensworth or Doc with Stevenson. If, you know, maybe there was a couple where they're all there. I'm not sure. But, I mean, they're barely interactions anyway. Even Raven- Ravensworth, exactly. who, yeah. who does appear more often than Stevenson, is hardly in it. I think you probably get more scenes with thugs, just, I don't know, yeah. really poor accents or just overly... <laughs> Hard to understand. Are they really accents? poor accents? I'm glad that you've said that because I've also made a note of like, Christ, I need subtitles with this one. I just felt like I mean, such a massive foreigner when I was watching this. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I understand London and I understand Oxford and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because they were so thick and so hard to understand, I assumed they were laboured accents to try and mm. emphasise the working class and, you know, historical, so accents were stronger yeah, back true. then or whatever, you know. I am happy to eat those words if it turns out, you know, these it's just how those actors sound, <laughs> but I would be surprised. Yeah, uh, cut to post-credit sequence. We see you tucking a napkin into your, <laughs> into your shirt collar. <laughs> as you prefer to tuck into your words. No, I'm glad to hear you say that. That makes me feel a little bit better about myself. (laughs) There was one guy in particular, I think there was a scene where they were all lined up together, I think, talking to the master. He was the furthest on the left and was the shoutiest, I think. I don't don't believe I understood a single word he said. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah, same. (laughs) So, yeah, we've not really talked about Perry yet. Uh, do you do you have a feeling about how she was in this serial compared to other serials? I think I have a feeling, but I'm curious. Oh, oh, what, what is what it? Yours is. No, oh, well, that's really no. cheeky. You're like, hey, I've got a really vested pocket. interest in this. I've got an established opinion. What's your opinion, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Just so I know, I can tell you it's wrong. <laughs> Okay, I think Perry is great, with a few exceptions. There are a couple of scenes where I felt like she had been dumbed down as a character, and where perhaps even the Perry-Doctor dynamic had taken a step back as well. I'm not in favor of that. Because wasn't it just like one serial ago that we had Perry spouting technobabble and actually taking initiatives to further the plot of the serial? And, you know, being a really active participant in this one, we get a lot of Perry just stumbling into rooms and almost stepping onto mines. And she's the one who cool runnings dock down the hill. And (laughs) that's a step back in my book. But I do really... Maybe it's because we get fewer interactions between her and Doc in this one. For that reason, I kind of like her more. (laughs) She has done a disservice whenever she interacts with the Doctor, I feel. Maybe that's too harsh, but off the top of my head, that's what I'm thinking. What is your take on it? What is your established opinion about Perry? Oh, (laughs) I'm going to be wrong. I know I'm going to be wrong. (laughs) No, in my view, you're probably right, but for different reasons. (laughs) No. Oh, interesting. Oh, let's hear him. Well, because my takeaway actually was this was improvement on the last serial. I think you're right that there was some techno babble that she had at the start of the last serial, but then it all went downhill after that, and we were not happy with how Perry was written last time round. That's true. If I recall correctly, maybe I, I think don't. you're right. Yeah, 
It starts with a manual, the TARDIS manual, doesn't it? And then after that, it's just like back to good old Perry. Yeah, I think something like that. Whereas this time round, I do agree. I think there are some scenes, some dialogue that it feels like she's not making herself useful or she's not in a, you know, in a position to be useful or whatever. But at the same time, I think I disagree with what you said about, you know, it happens whenever she has an interaction with a doc because I was really enjoying their relationship in this one. I oh, think that's okay. Like that's the thing I think for some reason I am I'm looking for in Perry and Sick Doctor. I'm looking for their relationship. It doesn't always have to be that way. Like mm. I didn't I didn't really care about I mean I didn't really care about Turlo at all, but I didn't really care about Turlo's relationship with the doctor per se. <laughs> I was more interested mm. in whether like that character would ov- overcome like the stupid setup that he had had and, you know, become worthy in his own right and yeah like maybe i'm being harsh to perry or maybe it's just i can i think i can see some potential with the relationship of the sixth doctor and perry i think they have when they get it right a really nice spark of interaction between themselves and it's fun to watch and we've seen it a little bit in the past and i felt like we got it a little bit more in this serial than we had in previous ones but you are right that she does some really stupid stuff as well but then they pulled out this weird she can make a sleeping potion thing that yes you're right you're absolutely suddenly, right that it's a botanist slash chemist i don't know yeah, I mean, it's the equivalent of, maybe it's because like part of my brain is still in New Who mode since we recorded a New Who review yesterday, but similar to how I remember feeling about Graham, you know, the character of Graham, Bradley Walsh, who doesn't have any skills, like specific skills a la, uh, you know... I've got a very particular set of skills. He doesn't have that when he goes into the TARDIS in the first place. He's there because he has certain morals. But then on occasion, they'll just be like, in Witchfinders, for example. Oh, yeah, he knows everything about Witchfinder history. Like, why does he know that? (laughs) Like, he doesn't need that talent. Or later on, it's like, oh, yeah, he knows all about... I'm spitballing here, but there'll be something like, oh, he's an expert orienteer, or he's an expert in this particular niche bit of science or whatever. And it makes no sense that it's just been plucked out of the ether and assigned to this character and that's kind of how i feel about the sleeping draft that she's able to cobble together out of absolutely nothing in the beginning of this episode yeah what is her background this is why i think this was my thought at the time is like being thrown out of it of just like wait since when is perry like a chemist or or whatever like yeah because it was set up like if you just tell me what plants are around here i can make a sleeping potion you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely from whatever combination <laughs> it could possibly be <laughs> yeah you bet your ass i can make a sleeping potion <laughs> which was like what the fuck where did this come from but then i was thinking back like when she was introduced she was on this archaeological expedition with her guardian uncle something like that i don't know yeah and i can't remember how she fitted in with that was she part of the expedition like did she have a reason to be there or or was she kind of tagging along that's a good question i don't think that she was a part of that expedition i don't think she no 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 no. i don't think that she played an active part in that because she wanted to just leave it willy-nilly if she had played an active part in it she would have had responsibilities there would have been expectations set on her you know laid on her shoulders and she would not have been in a position to go yeah but i met these two dudes on the beach and we're gonna go on a cruise or whatever it was i can't remember so no i don't think that she was part of that and also that was like Mm. an underwater archaeological expedition fast forward and rewind to 19th century england oh yeah don't worry about it tell me 
whatever herbs you have and I'll master chef you a sleeping potion. <laughs> like that's not how it works. Yeah. No, I think you're you're absolutely right. She was like fed up of being there and yeah, was not anything to do with like not that being anything to do with an archaeological dig would give you the right to be a botanical genius or whatever. I'm going to look her up on TARDIS Wiki. How old is she meant to be? Because when we meet her at that archaeological dig, she's like a kid, isn't she? She's. I don't think she's a kid. No, I took her to be a young adult, like always in her 20s. Like she, like university age, I think, was the impression I got. Okay, yeah, no, fair enough. Okay, sorry, I take that back. But Yeah, kid like, is wrong. I, older, I was going to say, like, oh, yeah, she's like Rose. She's like a late teenager or something. But no, you're absolutely right. She was an American yeah, I... college student, according to Tardis Wiki. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, so the setup we had with the original introduction serial doesn't help with this. Maybe there was an offhand comment somewhere along the lines in the last <laughs> however many serials that she has an interest in botany, or I don't know. <laughs> it, I yeah, don't buy it. Sorry. I didn't pick up on that. I was just very surprised that she had this ability. <laughs> yeah, same, actually. Uh, I mean, although most fair, of that is kind of yet now in retrospect, yes. To be fair, we never actually see if she can do it, because she just goes off to get some... <laughs> Get some plants and then they find the <laughs> well doc steals back the vial and they're just going to give them their brain juice back they're not going to give them a yeah. sleeping potion wait how are they going to get that brain juice back he's like here we, someone know. siphoned this out of your head drink it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and i love like the that. idea that I, that's so brilliant like i love that she might go out there and just poison them by mistake. It's the equivalent <laughs> of that. You know that episode of The Simpsons where Bart is playing like six games of chess at the same time and everyone's like, oh, it's such a genius. He's playing six games. But then you <laughs> see him losing every single game. That's yeah. what might have happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, wait, it's made me think of something. Oh, I think it's Shrek. <laughs> I think it's Princess Fiona sends Donkey off to find like a, a blue flower with red leaves or something just because he's being an annoying prick and it's just to occupy yeah. his time. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that they were doing that with Harry in this. No, no I'm not saying that. No, no, but, <laughs> but I like the analogy. Also, well done for remembering her name, Princess Fiona. Literally, I had even forgotten the name Donkey. I only remembered the name Shrek. I've seen Shrek a, a number of times. It's a pretty damn good film, and I'm not alone in thinking that. No, no, I totally agree with you. <laughs> Need to rewatch that. <laughs> Right. Okay. I have one other slightly random tangential observation that I could share, if you like. Okay. Otherwise, we can just jump straight into ratings. I was going to say total tangent, total departure from that. But the master in this one has his dildo gun. He has the tissue compression, whatever it is, you know, that weapon. Yeah. It doesn't shrink anyone. It just kills people, it seems. Yeah. Is it the same? It's absolutely the same thing, isn't it? I mean, is the dildo where the the tip of it just goes meow meow like it it opens? And that's definitely what he used to shrink people with before. He didn't have a different thing for shrinking. Well, now I'm doubting myself. Yeah, it's the tissue compression eliminator, is what it's called. Oh, you know what? Maybe it was set to eliminator and not compression. <laughs> Maybe that's it. But why? Why? Like, why? When does he choose to shrink people and when eliminate? Because I was expecting them to stumble across a small dog. And yes, yeah, a small guard or whoever it was, I don't know, someone who had a gun, and that would be their realization that the master was around. But no, there was just like Perry noticing that the dog had stopped barking, and 
that was kind of it and yeah i didn't uh, yeah i didn't get why they didn't use the shrinking oh my goodness yeah they stumble into town they've met the rani drop some line like well at least we know who the only bad person in this episode is and then they just look to the side and there's a a small child playing with what appear to be dolls and it's a teeny (laughs) tiny action figure sized person wearing exactly the clothes that they just saw a god wear and a dog and it's like fuck the monsters (laughs) boom cliffhanger nice yeah anyway that was my last observation i'm out of bullet points well in that case how about we rate this yeah that sounds good (laughs) (laughs) jesus let's (laughs) and now it is time to rate this did we laugh or hate this bing bong bing bong hey la 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 ratings Welcome to the R minis section of this podcast episode. Leon, oh my goodness, he got me good and proper with a total freak I really out did. Of there's something, <laughs> what the hell's this? Moving out of video sight and then coming back with his finger on the tip of his nose. Like I mean, I'm fuck. kind of proud of that one, actually. That was, that was a <laughs> solid deception. <laughs> it was. Hook, line, copy of Angling Times, and I think finger. is the Red Dwarf quote. Yes, I fell for it. So I am going first. I had no idea we were even playing the game. Right. My rating, I am going to start you off with just some things I enjoyed. Sometimes I don't think I was meant to enjoy them in the way I enjoyed them, but they, they got a smiley face in my notes, basically. So they're quite random. A thug falling into the mine shaft, and the effect makes it look like he's falling in a vortex in space. That made I me smile. About that very nice. Yes, yeah. We mentioned this. Doc and Stevenson, you know, having a nice little chat about steam engines. And Perry walks in and goes, "Come on, dudes, there's important shit to get done." But yeah, the thugs that are carrying Doc step on mines in Acme fashion and turn into trees, <laughs> causing Doc to get lodged <laughs> between them made me smile i think this one definitely is intentional the rani knees the master square up in the balls <laughs> i enjoyed <gasps> that <laughs> what i missed this when is that what yeah when they're fuffling in the rani's tardis towards the end and all shit's hitting the fan master is trying he to like get involved knee and, in his groin yeah. oh, like maybe oh, it's okay, meant yeah, to be yeah, in really his abdomen this. or something but no, nope. straight in the Yeah, uh, I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Hit him in the groin. I also enjoyed how smug Doc was about his little bits of sabotage that had sent the Rani and the Master out into the far reaches of the universe. Like, it, I think there were a couple of occasions where Doc was just super smug about things he had done. It was great. And then the ending bit where Ravensworth says, I have to just one question, Doctor. What precisely do you do in there? And Doctor replies, argue mainly. <laughs> Other things that got a sort of more a thumbs up and, you know, didn't necessarily make me smile or whatever, but were good. Doc, in general, I really enjoyed the Sixth Doctor in this. Like I said, this commanding feeling that the Doctor has as a good trait was used as best you can use it, I think, throughout this serial. And I was enjoying seeing the Sixth Doctor in control, one step ahead, sussing things out. Yeah, it was good stuff. In general, Perry as well. Like, there are obviously some lesser moments. I'm going to give you one thing I felt was nice and one thing I felt was bad to balance it. But Mm -hmm. in general, I think it was good. Yeah, so I thought there was a nice scene where Perry was trying to get the doctor to leave like which might be seen as a negative but she was trying to get him to leave because doc is the one being targeted by the thugs like she's looking out for the doc but then doc in turn is being his one step ahead of the game and saying no they need to stay here because those aren't luddites you know there's a bigger thing afoot and you know there's a reason why we got stuck here and all this kind of stuff but i thought it was a nice 
factor that Perry's character was not just trying to run away. She was being protective of the doc. And that was the motivation. It was good. But yeah, whatever other good things might come with Perry in this serial, we still get the stupid thing of her accidentally pushing Doc down the bobsleigh, <laughs> which can never be forgiven. <laughs> And to I'm be honest, it's probably, in my mind, it's probably the worst, like, two minutes of this serial, because it goes on for way too long, and it's just insane. The doc is just tobogganing. Yeah. And then the thugs get him and then toboggan him again on a mine thing. <laughs> yeah, mine car. <laughs> anyway, I need to get through this quicker. The Rani is great in this. I think totally new character being introduced was slightly watered down by the presence of the master, but I feel like came out on top. It's the master that got the raw service in this, not the Rani. I enjoyed watching the Rani. And as a secondary point to that, but by by no means lesser, like it's got its own point in my notes, in fact, is the Rani's TARDIS. I loved that appearing on my screen. Enjoyed the heck out of that. There are a lot of negatives in this. I'm not dwelling on too much in my little mini, but I'm just going to pull out some, well, the big thing of the master. We've talked about this a lot. I'm not going to labor the point again, but I feel like we could have probably lived without the master in this serial wouldn't have come away with a negative feeling of the master and probably would have had a better serial. Let's maybe just leave it. Gotcha. Um, and also, as another little thing that did bother me, they intentionally mention at least twice that the master should be dead. The last we saw of the master, he was burning to a crisp. They happily draw attention to this fact and then never explain why the master isn't dead. And that was, oh, yeah. oh my God, annoying. <laughs> and a very random negative, just to throw in some negatives, because there are some. I really hated the scene of Doc quoting Shakespeare at the Rani. It was just, bleh. yeah. Okay. Yep. Could not. Yep. Okay. Not. <laughs> okay. And I... I it's not often I do this in, in my review and I'm waffling beyond waffle, but I did have a couple of, I'm not sure how I feel about this. So I'm just putting them left out as kind of question marks that not good, not bad, just kind of like, hmm. So Doc spends obviously a lot of the resolution of this holding the Rani and the Master at, you know, gunpoint. And that's the way out of this serial. Not yeah, sure how I feel about that. Uh, he and, also basically leaves them to die in the TARDIS. Well, not to die, but to, uh, yeah, antagonize each other until they can find their yeah, way out with of the, the depths T-Rex. of the Yeah, I'm not sure if Doc knew that the T-Rex would oh, maybe be coming alive. No, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he didn't know. I have no idea. I mean, T-Rex is just a big question mark in my head, really. As is the line where the Doc is talking to himself about the Rani saying, I wonder if I was particularly nice to her, she might. No, 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 of course not. Like, my brain oh. went to, what are you proposing here, Doctor? Are you trying to romance the Rani? Or oh. I'd buddy up with the Rani? I don't know. I just found that a very weird thing. Didn't quite make up my mind about it. So I'm leaving it there as a, hmm. With all of that, <laughs> ramble, ramble, ramble. I wobbled a bit with my number. I've ended up exactly what I wrote down in the first place, which is a 3.2. What? <laughs> 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 okay. yeah i don't not, don't quite yeah, know great. why it's so high i feel like that is quite high <laughs> but it was still enjoyable i think there were a lot of good things i love it you've got a huge heart this is great this is very good stuff <laughs> 
and apologies. I've just rambled for so long. Come on. You no, can, that was uh, good. Was that, nice... was a, that was a very solid mini slash maxi. I think that was that was very, very good. <laughs> oh, wow. I had not even picked up on the whole Doc alluding to some deeper plot line with the Rani. Just to clarify, because I think I just missed this. Is this a reference to something in their mutual past? Or is this just a commentary on he would have liked to have treated her better in this episode? Or I interpret it impurely as him wanting something or you know questioning a future relationship oh, not I necessarily see. a romantic relationship but just like like if i was i wonder if i was was the phrasing like so oh interesting interesting okay 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 all right good stuff dude 3.2 yikes caramba wow your heart is huge okay here are my mini thoughts <laughs> Colin Baker is great. Colin Baker is a genius. I love Colin Baker as the Doctor. Admittedly, I do prefer it when he is not being all slapsticky. And this serial is at times really like teeming with the stuff. But when he's doing, <laughs> this is a genuine bullet point in my nose, and I feel so bad for saying this, but when he's doing his sardonic Shakespeare shtick, I'm digging it. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. There may have been a little bit too much of it. I mean, there were Shakespeare quotes in there that I didn't even recognize as Shakespeare quotes. I'm just kind of assuming post hoc that they were Shakespeare quotes. But yeah, so maybe there were too many of them. But the fact that he does that at all, yeah, I can dig it. He's also a magnificent counterpart to the diabolical duo of Rani and Master. Very much appreciated the note that you made about his smugness in the face of Rani and Master. However, you know what? That made me think he is really, really like he's cranking up to maybe not 11, but certainly to 10. <laughs> what he should be like in the face of insert Gallifrey and baddie here, most likely the master up until this point. But they are not necessarily, and by they in this case, I mean like predominantly the master because that's the baddie we know. He is not being smug enough with the doctor. And the Rani could also perhaps be mm. a little smug. Like th there's... It's only represented on one side, I feel. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should revisit the serial and reassess. Anyway, side note, different cat brooch. Nice one. Just keeping track of that. Um, oh, I keep missing those. Good spot. <laughs> yeah, this time it was a black cat. It was a white cat last time. This time it's a black cat, like nice. with a really arched back. As I said, not entirely sure how I feel about Perry here. Like in many ways, I think her relationship with Doc seems to have taken a step back. But overall, I, I do really like her. I'm still as was recently the case, on board with Perry as a companion. The Rani and the Master, well, well, where to begin? I love the Master, I'm totally in favour of additional Time Lord baddies being established, but as I think we already said, I think you kind of either go all the way or you, you abstain. Uh, and in this case, I would have abstained of the Master and just gone with the, the Rani. They just dilute each other's participation and... It's, you know, it, it's such a pity that we only get one more TV serial with Arani because sweet buttery Moses, she's great and there's such potential with that character. And yes, wow. Yeah, love the TARDIS. Next time that the Master shows up, though, he better be bringing his A-game and not rock such an obviously fake mustache. Just, yeah, enough said. Stevenson was lovely. Very much enjoyed his first appearance where the Doc is still tethered to the, you know, he's locked up in his toboggan. And Stevenson's reaction is just like, what kind of alloy is that? Which mine did you get the yeah. metal from? I really like that. That was nice. Production value, understated compared to the super sci-fi stories we've recently reviewed, but very good for a pseudo-historical. For example, I, yeah, we already said, love the Rani's TARDIS. 
also love the Ronnie's lair, which we didn't really talk about. That sliding door to gain access to it. Beautiful stuff. And the rest, well, I mean, you know what? Couldn't we have explored the mines a bit more? And the town looked very clean and modern. The thoroughfare in particular, as I'm pretty sure that had been steamrolled quite recently. Greatest asset, Omara as the Ronnie and Colin Baker, obvi doodles. Biggest flaw, when a story makes no sense, the solution is not to turn your cast into trees. I've given this a rating of (laughs) 2.3. Oh, wait, you reversed yeah. my score. Hold on. I did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those were all very good points. It was a very good review. Thank you. Mr. Do you Leon. feel that you would rewatch this serial anytime soon? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, same. Same. I, I feel like th- this is another argument, maybe low on the rewatchability. Yeah, anyway. I think not like holding it in my head as like, hmm, there's some interesting things here. I'd be happy to pick them apart again in six months or something but yeah i don't know i just like there are reasons to rewatch this that we've talked about no you are right yeah but i do feel like all the reasons that we've brought up during this review for wanting to rewatch it the details that we've missed they're the like oh wait maybe that did happen maybe i misunderstood something maybe i'm misremembering but it's not a case of, I really want to rewatch this because, wow, I was riveted throughout. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Okay, so we're not miles apart, but there's a little bit of bit of leeway in yeah. how we've landed on stuff. I think we should find out what the rest of Podcast Line is thinking about this. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. Let's do it. <laughs> wait, that sounds really sarcastic. No, I'm actually like genuinely excited. <laughs> <laughs> this love is now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max to 50, or it would get out of hand. Oi, we made it again to the amazing section at the end of this podcast. Called the Listener Minis. <laughs> you lucky woop, woop, people. Woop. <laughs> We're recording a little bit earlier than some might have expected. So right. we've only got four Listener Minis this time. Yeah. To help you out in the future. So we're trying to stick to a more consistent schedule from a release point of view. Trying to be New Who one week, classic the next. That's repeat. right. And then... Because we obviously have holidays and life gets in the way sometimes, we might have to record some stuff a bit earlier to cope with still hitting those release points because weeks get busy. So my advice to anyone who would like their mini to be read out would be try and get it in maybe a couple of weeks in advance of when the episode is going to drop. That's probably the safest bet, yeah. And I'll add to that as well and say at the moment on the website, it says, hey, the next episode to drop in every channel is, like this is the next Classic Who or the next New Who review to be released I think what I will do is I will change that to be the next classic or new who review to be recorded. And that way, when we have recorded an episode, it will no longer be on that list and you will see when the next one is due to be recorded. So if in doubt, go to whobackone.com. But as Jim said, yeah, I mean, sometimes life gets in the way and we need to try to be flexible about it. The upshot is you're going to get more of us. Henceforth, we're talking weekly releases. It's good stuff. It's positive. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely positive. And apologies to anyone who really wanted to send something into this one and who missed it because we're recording early. Yeah, um, this might all become nonsense because we might decide to future Leon or Jim some extra ones in. But for now, we've got four of you to read out and we're going to read right. them all out in full. Ooh. That's all. Oh, Isn't that I never. a bit new in the classic <laughs> channel? Not done that for a while. <laughs> Anywho, so, without further ado, yeah, who's who we got first? first? <laughs> Why 
It is Stephen, Stephen from, from Canada. Canada. Hello, Stephen. Hello there, Stephen. How's it going? Starts with a little bit of impromptu dialogue, so bear with me. John Nathan Turner. Let's spice up the season. How about some historical action? Pip and Jane Baker. I don't know how to mimic two voices at once. I know just the time period. I know just the time period. The kids are going to love it. The kids are going to love it. <laughs> John Nathan Turner. Turner. Go on. Pip and Jane Baker. The Industrial Revolution. No, no, no. no that's like seven people. John Nathan Turner. Oh. Yeah. That's, okay. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's exactly how that dialogue went. Yes. Well done, Stephen. But yeah. After that, Stephen says, we are introduced to the Rani. Another Gallifreyan nemesis obsessed with time meddling. As enjoyable of a character this is, she seems soiled by her subsequent stories, which are a considerable drop in quality. I'm looking at you, Dimensions in Time. This is, of course, no fault of the marvellous Kate O'Mara. It was entertaining to see the master interact with the Rani. It was fun to watch him go full John Simp as he fanboyed over her. But I do not, under any circumstances, want to hear Anthony Ainley utter the words impregnate and sweet meat one more time, especially in reference to maggots. (laughs) (laughs) Seconded. The Doctor and Perry are back to being unbearable together. I knew it wouldn't last. Honestly, some of these scenes feel like they belong in the twin dilemma. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay. Very different takes on the Dr. Perry relationship. Then we come into the final bits of Stephen's review. The sets and costumes were great. I especially loved the Rani's TARDIS interior. Very unique. Even the T-Rex looked good. That's true, actually. It really did. Classic Doctor Who is known for wonky dinosaurs. And this was pretty good. You take that back right away, mister. (laughs) I will not. (laughs) You just happen to like them. (laughs) (laughs) true (laughs) the performances were also fantastic overall this is a very good story nothing great but very good so says stephen this story earns 3.5 bickering time lords and ladies out of five nice Ooh, here's your friend who agrees with you yeah and I, th- I think stuff. the points agreeing with you is just numerically a little bit different. That's yeah, that's fine. That's totally good, Stephen. Thank you so much. Excellent, excellent mini people who yes. are not Stephen. Great I stuff. Thank you, Stephen. Assume they can follow Stephen on Twitter. Jim, do you know where they might be able to find him? Well, you've assumed correctly for a start, and they can find Stephen on Twitter at s andre Erchen. Uh, that's right. That's ex- Exactly how you expect that to be spelled. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Who's next? Why, it's Mr. Kieran Evans. Hello. What up, Kieran? Kieran. <laughs> Kieran starts. Hi, folks. Unlike some stories this season, the Doctor and Perry are in the action quite quickly. The first episode is quite good, with a master sneaking around and killing a dog, and the mystery of the bathhouse. And then we have the Rani, played by the wonderful Kate O'Mara. Rather than being interested in power like the master, she's just for her research, with no respect for anything else. That difference is quite important, and a good one. Sadly, part two is where it goes a bit wonky with the tree minefield. Now, that's a weird sequence. Apparently, it was raining throughout filming, and Colin was left tied to that pole for a while. Oh, no. It's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Bliss Hill Museum and the wider Ironbridge Gorge area in Shropshire double for the northeast here with some interesting accents. Apparently, there was a spare film crew that had been paid for going free, so JNT jumped on the chance, so we get a lot of location filming. Pip and Jane Baker's first script for Who is fairly good and probably their strongest. 
It's actually our first historical set one since the King's Demons. Oh, that seems like ages. Is that right? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And the first one to have real historical characters, Stevenson and Lord Ravensworth, for a very long time. I've injected the very there, but it probably is there. <laughs> and then generally sums up Kieran, I feel it's a fairly decent one with a couple of strange bits in the second part and wonky accents. So Kieran gives this 3.7 out of 5 angry raging workers. Wow. Okay, here's another one who sort of agrees with you. Nice one. Okay, two for two. Excellent mini. Thank you very much, Kieran. Very good stuff. Very good stuff, yeah. I have looked ahead, so I'm not going to say whether or not I regret my rating (laughs) just yet. (laughs) (laughs) I've looked ahead as well, and I, yes, also won't say anything. (laughs) But more to the point... If people want to say things to Kieran, where would they go? I have absolutely no idea, but here's the thing. I need to transport a lot of heavy equipment across town in something that is larger than a car and doesn't guzzle up a lot of petrol because we are in a cost of living crisis at the moment. So I'm going to go to KJ Evans 2 so that I can... Yeah, go to KJ Evans 2 and say hi from us. (laughs) Thank you very much, Karen. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. Apologies, Karen. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Every every time. Who's next? Why? It's that wonderful Ed Corbett. That's right. It's Ed Corbett or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right. It's Ed. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. Ed starts, Perry seems to have finally got over the murder thing, and I like how she is starting to play along with the Doctor's vanity. Nice, yeah. We are introduced to a new Time Lord villain, but through most of Episode 1, she is continually outwitted by the Master, which is hardly a way to sell her competence. The Rani also didn't seem to immediately recognize the Doctor, so when combined with the other instances of Time Lords crossing paths over the last 60 years, regarding the big two questions about Time Lords? A. Can they tell a Time Lord from human by sight? And B. Can they recognize someone they know after regeneration? Excellent questions. Yes, which Ed immediately answers with, we can finally definitively say, sometimes. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So we need a way for the Rani to try and kill the Doctor. Any ideas? What about landmines? That. No, 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 hear me out. Turn people into trees. That. We must absolutely do that. Yeah, agreed. Solid choice. (laughs) Not sure who was having that conversation, but it probably happened. Yeah. It's Pippa and no, sorry, it's 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 Pip and Pip and Jane. God, yes, Pip and Jane. Yeah, I was going to say Pippa and John. Yep, works as well, I'm sure. Ed continues, the serial is a definitive record that sometime in 1984-85, the above conversation must have happened. And for me, that will be this story's defining legacy. I found that the Rani having an agenda beyond the Master's obsession to kill the Doctor. In fact, she was initially disinterested in the Doctor and thought the Master had become quite pathetic made her the more compelling villain, and I would probably prefer to see her again than the master. Mm. Agreed, actually. Yeah. Well, at least based on this serial. Yeah. And Ed concludes, a fairly average, but still entertaining serial. 2.4 out of 5. 
Coaching. Here's my friend who agrees with me. Knew it was going to happen sooner or later. There we go. <laughs> nice we one. found that. We found your friend. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Ed. That is a solid mini. I love these little dialogues. This is very, very good. <laughs> yeah, it's become a thing in this review segment. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good stuff, man. I'm digging it. Thank you very much, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Who's lost for now? <laughs> <laughs> Well, fourth up, we can at least say, is that's right, the Zoonmeister himself, Peter Zoonich. Hello, Peter. <laughs> Peter starts. I am indeed pleased to say that I'm enjoying Colin Baker more than I ever have. I'm noticing things this watch through that I never appreciated previously. This story is a prime example. Being from somewhere other than Europe, I confess that I never really got it until now. Ooh, interesting. I doubt most Americans understand what the Luddites were all about. And without that knowledge, this story was always confusing. Oh, I get it now. I thought it was like, oh, wait, this story was not available in the US. (laughs) Peter continues. Ultimately, though, I still believe this outing fails in spite of the phenomenal effort from four amazing actors. Yeah, sadly, I agree. Mm, Interesting. Peter does, of course, continue. I would place the negatives into two categories. Things that I think were supposed to be funny but came off as dumb, and moments of plot that just occur for no reason. Part one was rather enjoyable. To say part two is a letdown, however, is probably putting it lightly. The Master and the Rani devolve into a bumbling duo. The Rani Ah. kills her helpers rather than saying, stay, Thank you. Is Leon's point, yes. <laughs> cool minds, but dumb trap. Volcano painting? Oh, yeah. Same yeah, name. Yeah, absolutely. And the doctor threatens with a weapon? Eee, that's what you Not. said. Yeah, you come to the conclusion I couldn't quite come to there. And finally, the ending just fizzles out. Yeah, that's right. Peter concludes, I also hate admitting that the master ruins it all. But he really just flounders about, and the Rani really needed a solo spotlight introduction story. Yeah, agreed. I think this is the one point that everyone who sent something in for this and the two of us totally agree on. Yeah. Everyone and everything ends up lacking development, depth, and logical continuity, says Peter. And... Final, final conclusion from Peter. We end up with a script that fails to do justice to even the quaint little tale that this was. Hmm. It's not all bathhouses and pretty dresses. There's definitely some mustard gas in the air. So Peter gives What does he give it? 2.2 out of 5. 2.2! 2.2. First off, Ka-ching. I believe as far as podcast land is concerned, ratings wise, you and I, Jim, we're two for two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And secondly, Peter, 2.2, come on, be a little bit more generous, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic I mean, I, mini, excellent rating, thank you. It was Yes, first of all, thank you very much. Very good review, Peter. I will concede though, I think if we're making this a contest, we had two reviews that backed you up. One was 0.1 below, one was 0.1 above. Mine were... Oh, wait, was it? Quite far, far oh, it away. it was! From so, yes. <laughs> it if was, we, yeah. If we're making <laughs> this a competition, I can see that you won. Well done, Mr. Leon. You have only more friends to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, only numerically. Bing bong, future Leon here with one more listener mini. That's right. This one comes from GP Haynes. What up, GP? I say G, I say P, G, P, G, P. Yeah, that's right. Hello, GP. Fancy meeting you here. 
GP says, well, after two great stories, I really, really struggled through this serial, especially the first episode, which dragged. I did not find the story very interesting. Another attempt to change history, this time by altering the great minds of Earth's past. Don't get me started on the brain fluid, in quotes. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. The highlight was Doc being pushed on not one, but two trolleys. I can't remember a serial in recent memory where so many characters talked to themselves. Perry and Doctor both guilty, but none worse than the Master. This is an interesting observation, GP. I I don't think I noticed this. Maybe a little bit on the theatrical side, it seems. Anyway, GP continues... Is it my imagination or is this master getting worse with each subsequent doctor? He's like a cardboard cutout character and the Rani is not much better. The dialogue is childish in parts and over the top. Uh, I mean, I agreed on at least some of those points. I think the master's really not done super well in this serial. I agree with that. At least Mr. Baker is in reasonably good form, GP says. Save the self-talk. But Perry certainly took a step back here. Agreed. I'm only rating this slightly higher than Baker's debut, due to his portrayal being more in character. Pretty awful, says GP, and gives this a rating of 1.4 jars of brain fluid, whatever the hell that is. Cheers, GP Haynes. Cheers to you, GP. Uh, wow, 1.4, dude. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think you've made a very solid and reasonable argument. Uh, yeah, fair play. Thank you very much, GP. People who are not GP, don't worry, nobody's perfect. Okie dokie, back to the show. <laughs> Bing bong. Thank you, everyone who sent something in. This is really good stuff. Well, that wraps up Mark of the Rani. What on earth have we got coming up next? Why, I can answer my own question with the first bit being in Classic, which will be two weeks after you have heard this. Well, maybe not, depends how you've listened to things, but two weeks after this drops, we will be returning in Classic Channel with The Two Doctors. That's right. Ahead of that, in the New Who channel, we will be reviewing the, I'm sure it's going to be great, The Battle of Ranskor of Kolos. I'm sure that will be great. Do you remember that one, Jim? It's uh, going to be fantastic. Not, not from the title. It's the return of the Tooth Fairy. What's his name? Oh, okay. The alien with the... Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw, that's right, yeah. And at some point, audio listeners will get the treat that is The Gathering. Not quite sure when, but sometime. At some point, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, in fact. I was chatting with Drew about that just last night. And at some point, you're also going to get a bonus Who episode. It'll drop... I've said this a few times now. If you haven't already received it, it will be dropping sometime midweek. And it will, in that case, be the New to Who Back When Part 2. If that's already dropped, don't know what's next in line for bonus episodes. But if you haven't listened to Part 1, please go and do so. Because it's highly informative. (laughs) Good stuff. I haven't actually listened to Part 1. I need to do that. And... Oh, treat your earballs. (laughs) Right. Well, things don't have to end there. Obviously, the podcast is continuing. If you want to get in touch with me or Leon in the meantime, we are both mm-hmm. on Twitter. We Where can you be found? We admit we don't post that often, but we are available. We can mm. be found independently. Myself, I am at Jimmy the Who. Sorry, just to be clear, did you say Jimmy the Who? Yes. Clarification. Okay, just clarified. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, very good. That's excellent branding. <laughs> and where can they find you in, in uh, equally excellent branding stakes, I'm sure? Not at all. You're far too generous. I'm at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. As Jim said, very rarely do I tweet, but when I do, it's really worth it. And if you want to have a conversation with me, yeah, I'll, I'll say hi. <laughs> 
reach Actually, out. In, in relation to what we were talking about earlier about you know getting your minis in on time and stuff, obviously feel free to tweet at who back when or at Ponkin or at Jimmy the Who if you have a question on like when things are dropping or whatever. But by far the easiest place to go to is whobackwhen.com because that's where it will be. That posted. is right. Absolutely. And that's it. That's it. We did it. Mark the Rani. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've had so, a very nice evening. I'm so sorry. It's gotten massively super duper crazy late over in your neck of the woods again. I'm sorry about that. But this has been a fun alles evening. Good. Alles good. Oh, alles good. Oh, okay. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it's been a blast. You've been a wonderful audience. Mm. You're always so good. Always so good. And You've uh, been there's nothing practically left. Practically delicious. Me. Yeah. Practically delicious. <laughs> nothing left from me to say other than see ya. Peeps in podcast land, rock on, be ran next into each other, and cha-chao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to, and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode and lastly give us a rating and review on iTunes it helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points that's it rock on and be rad and excellent to each other catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode until then ciao ciao who back when who back when